0: Welcome back to Beyond Culture, I am your host Ivan, I'm here back with uh, my co-host Abel. What up, what up? Today we'll be talking obviously about the hot topic, you know, the coronavirus. It's crazy um, because two weeks ago, Mm -hmm. like to some degree, life was pretty, it was pretty normal. Mm -hmm. Like, Like we hadn't, like even though the cases around the world were going, were going really high really high the in terms of north america itself i don't know like life was going on as normal there was no large scale quarantine or anything the nba season was still on like and then you just fast forward to today and i think this is the first time where it really feels as if like life as we know it has stopped like nobody's making cuz you don't have twitter but nobody's making jokes anymore about uh, let me take this ticket to, to whatever, Italy, Europe, like nobody's making those jokes anymore. Yeah. Like, like it's all, it's all done. Like now it's like, we're at a moment where it's just, it's so, it, it's become way more serious, mm-hmm. I believe, especially for young people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, for sure, man. It's, uh, when it started, it, it, it just felt like one of those things that was just happening in uh, China and, uh. In some Asian countries, you know, uh, because it first started, obviously it started in the in Ruan, in China, and then it started to spread out. But when it, uh, I think when it actually felt real was when it reached uh, Europe. So when the first, oh yeah, like the, well, obviously it reached uh, South Korea, and you talked to Khadija about it. But uh, when it reached Europe and uh, especially in Italy, when they had the outbreak and the, the massive outbreak in Italy, you know, that's when mm-hmm. every world leader felt as if, well, this can happen to us, especially mm-hmm. especially given how closely interlinked the economies of uh, like North America and Europe are in comparison to mm-hmm. China. They are, like, obviously the world is now globalized, so our economies everywhere are interlinked but the links between europe and north america or either us or canada is is much more it can be much more felt than it is in in, in europe it, it than in asia so mm-hmm. when that happened in uh in in italy you've, you've you saw uh angela Merkel, the chancellor in uh in germany say that uh, they they're predicting that even up to seventy-five percent of people in Germany might get infected. He saw mm-hmm. Macron go on TV and say we're shutting down everything. The president of of France. Uh, and that's when you you actually felt like I, for me, it felt like a wave coming like from east oh, to months. west. You know, like yeah. moving in. You know, because when he hit Europe and then when and then after a few days, you had the outbreak in the US. And that's when mm-hmm. Canadians were like, "Okay, this is this is getting real."
0: Yeah, especially because um, when you when they when I had to reach Europe and I, and Italy at the same time, like Italy and Iran were report were reporting crazy numbers mm-hmm. like around the same time. I'm just yeah. that's when I'm just like, "Whoa, whoa!" Like, what is what is going on? Mm-hmm. But to me, still, I felt, especially living in Canada, mm-hmm. I just felt the. Um, As if, like, Mocha's originally a lot of our cases, Mm -hmm. and we're going to get into that later, a lot of our cases were kind of linked to travel. Mm -hmm. So, I'm like, until I see a case that's linked, where they can't trace where the person got it, and it's not linked to travel, Mm -hmm. and now we're getting into the space of community transmission, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, now we have a problem. And we're there right now, so we do have a problem.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so. I forgot about Iran, but yeah, that that was worrying me too. Cause uh, obviously, it's one thing to have an outbreak in a country that has resources, such as European countries, especially Western European countries, and it's another mm-hmm. thing to have uh, an outbreak in like a uh, uh, in Iran. You know, obviously, Iran is not like a, it's not at the bottom of uh, the list when it comes to resources or GDP because they have oil and stuff but they exactly but their economy has been going through rough patches be- because of the tension with with the US and the sanctions from Trump and everything you know so mm-hmm. the, i saw some videos man they're they're horrible man they're from iran you you see people in hospitals screaming and like mm-hmm. yeah it, it was horrible but uh
0: like it was but even <laughs> even on like I, like you saw videos, I and also I also saw uh, a picture of them uh, digging like these mass graves. Mm-hmm. Like there's satellite images of just like just these mass spot a land where it's just like graves uh, graves and graves like for yards. Mm-hmm. Man, like, you know there's some degree of underreporting. Oh yeah, for numbers.
1: sure, for sure. You, well, obviously people were saying that uh, given those how how big those uh, mass graves were, it doesn't. It doesn't match the official numbers that are coming out of Iran, the official number of deaths coming out mm-hmm. of Iran, you know. So people are saying, people are suspecting that uh, some governments are like they're under, under reporting the number of contaminated people, contaminated, the people who have recovered and the people who uh, have been, uh, who, who died because of the virus. And obviously yeah. you've, like we'll, I think we'll get into this, but you're seeing now tensions between the the U.S. and China about uh, the reporting of the virus, with Trump calling it the Chinese virus, and China, I believe they um, on some of their stations, uh, like news stations, they were claiming that it, it was the virus came from some U.S. soldiers or something. Yeah, you know, but yeah so you you're seeing all you're also seeing this tension between uh world powers as the virus is mm-hmm. is spreading and uh yeah but uh yeah before and i i wouldn't like not to mention this but it, it's really unfortunate that some people are really stigmatizing others and discriminating because of the virus uh you're seeing uh uh hate crimes uh Like I've been seeing some reported hate crimes on uh, some Asian communities, either here in Canada or in the U.S. Uh, There's a. Uh I saw today there was a reporter who said that uh, as a CNN reporter who said that as she was uh, reporting, someone came came at her and uh, yelled some racial slurs at her, and that's Uh that is that is a CNN reporter, you know, in the U.S. Someone of high influence, Uh you know. So if it's happening to people like that imagine what's happening in uh in just in the asian communities at large you know so, uh, so to the people listening to this you know be mindful to others and uh be nice you know because man we don't know when this thing's going to go out you know so uh, the least we can do is be nice to each other
0: mm-hmm. this is directed to a specific individual <laughs> 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 we'll not name names <laughs> all right uh you want to get it kind of get into the numbers and kind of how it started and stuff
1: yeah so uh yeah just some general info on uh, the coronavirus by now i'm pretty sure everybody has researched and everybody's probably well informed but just some number some uh, information about it so uh most so uh, the corona coronaviruses are like a a group of viruses. So it's not like one single virus, right? So most coronaviruses infect animals such as bats, cats, birds, etc. And uh, so far, uh, there are known, there are seven known coronaviruses that can, that infect humans, you know. So uh, among those are obviously the COVID 19, this latest, uh, this novel uh, coronavirus. You have SARS, you have, uh, MERS the like i think it's like the Middle Eastern something I don't know the uh, right the Middle Eastern respiratory uh i don't know the, what the S stands for whatever but yeah but SARS for example is thought to have evolved from uh, infecting bats you know uh to cats and then to humans in China and the mm-hmm. uh, MERS in evolved from cat from bats to camels to to humans in the Middle East you know mm-hmm. but uh, so far no one knows exactly uh, where the covid-19 came from there's like a there's a leading hypothesis that it came from from bats but so far it's not confirmed whether it came directly from a bat or it went to another animal and then to a human You know, so there So there are There's, scientists are pretty are Pretty much still figuring out how How this happened and straight and tracing back The, uh, like uh, The the first pe- person who was Infected, you know mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah So just putting it out there, you know Because uh, the, the the origin story Has been like a source of uh, Disinformation and uh, conspiracy theories so what i hope or
0: when you say when you say origin uh the origin story are you talking about the uh, it coming from that uh live animal market or just about the animal that it came from yeah
1: like all of it like, like the location the animal and uh, like how it, it went from the uh, from what animal to a human you know because now there's so much uncertainty right because the way science works is that you posit a hypothesis, an hypothesis, and then you you have a, you have to get some evidence for it, right? Mm-hmm. And that kind of thing takes time. So, but you have a, I can't repeat a bunch of these uh, conspiracy theories that I've been hearing, you know. But like, and <laughs> you know, and what's even crazy is that you have people who are close to me and uh, like you know who who. <laughs> People oh, repeat some of these conspiracy theories and I always say and I and I just say I always say this in in general, you know, like There there are people who uh, Who spend 20 years of their lives in in school and 40 years of practicing medicine Like some people who spend their lives working on these types of things, you know, and then mm-hmm. And then they they come out and say, well, we don't know yet where it's coming from. We have an hypothesis that it's probably coming from here, but so far we're recommending you to like wash your hands, do this, do that, you know. So I'm talking about our health professionals, you know, our health mm-hmm. officials. But then you have some people you don't even know what they do. They're just on Facebook, on Twitter. You don't even know what's their credential. Then they'll tell you some wild story about, okay. <laughs> and, and some of them might, and some of them might even put a doctor in their name. Yeah, I think I think you know who I'm talking about. Might say Doctor Omar Johnson. I'm not saying any individual, <laughs> but you know. And then they're just they'll say a bunch of stuff, and people will believe them. You know, I'm not saying the thing is. I'm not saying you have to believe what the doctor tells you every time, but man, look at look at where the just the 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 question of burden of proof you know like Mm -hmm. who should you believe in a in in a situation like this a a random person on youtube or someone who has spent his life or her life uh, working on these types of types of things you know you have to practice some judgment
0: but i think also why some people gravitate to that obviously sometimes it has to do with just your identity within that person like if you see yourself within that person mm-hmm. but also i think it's the fact that these guys are so confident mm-hmm. like they're the way they speak is as if this is a fact so you look at the way they speak and then you superpose the way health officials speak like we don't know this might be the case we don't know we don't know. People don't like to hear, I don't know. They want an answer. Mm -hmm. And you have like these uh, doctors who will remain nameless that aren't really, well, who knows what they are. But they're not health officials. Mm -hmm. We don't know what their credentials are. But the way they speak is as if, no, this, this and that, that's the facts. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are like, damn, he knows what he's talking about. And a lot of, Like information, like information communication has to do with just the delivery of that information. Mm -hmm. Like, the more confident you are, the more people will believe that, oh, this guy must be telling the truth, right? And you see that, you see that even in arguments. Like, the person who just is like, you're confident is what he's saying is honestly, most people believe what they're saying. And I think that's, that's a major flaw, especially now, because I think this is, it's one of the first times where I, I really, and I'm, I'm seeing this a lot from like authorities and et cetera. People simply don't know. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have, and often like, obviously it's the job of the media to go looking for these answers, mm-hmm. but like the reporters, they do the job, they ask the question, they ask the questions, but, and you see the same answer, like, we don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We're moved, like the, the, the situation is fluid. Like everything keeps changing day by day, even hour by hour. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the, it's the first time like, us, as a like, consumer of news or whatever, we kind of have to also accept the fact that they don't have the answers, mm-hmm. you know? Nobody really has all the answers.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, like, uh, And the thing that you're seeing with officials saying that they don't know is the fact that you now you have half officials who are in front of the camera. Usually, it's usually just politicians talking about what experts told them. And obviously, politicians have to portray that confidence and and also they have to evade questions. So they they can't say, I don't know, you know, politicians mm-hmm. do not say, I don't know. They'll say you, they'll tell you the situation is evolving, blah, blah, blah. blah. I'll get back. You probably They'll rarely say, I'll get back to you. They'll probably just evade the question, you know, but now you have uh, health officials in front of the TV, in front of the camera t- telling people, you know what's happening and obviously there is this phenomenon i don't i i forgot the name but uh basically the gist of it is that the more you know about a subject the uh the the least uh the less confident you you'll you'll tend to 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 show to appear yeah you'll tend to appear mm-hmm. because you know how how much of how much about the subject you don't know right because Mm-hmm. and that's the thing with expertise you know expertise is not knowing everything but it's rather knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know you know but
0: and yeah because i i think one of my one of my favorite quotes i learned that in a uh, french class mm-hmm. i think i learned that in french class. i'm not sure but it was that a man like a, a man who knows everything knows that he knows nothing
1: exactly so yeah and uh but now you have these uh Social media, prophet like health <laughs> professionals. <laughs> I don't know what you're <laughs> going to call them, but these people who know everything, time they, man, what I'm seeing on social media is just nuts. People are telling me, it's saying, "Oh, this is the cure. It's getting, it's coming."
0: Oh, I think, I think that, I think that's, and we'll we'll probably get that later on into the show. But I, I think that's that's what hurts the most, like in terms of the. Because yes, I think you should, uh, report on the pro, the progress that's happening mm-hmm. within finding the specific, like, strains of the virus mm-hmm. and et cetera, et cetera. But it's just makes, it makes it seems as if we could get the vaccine to the coronavirus within, like, a month. Like, and honest, and we know, like, like even scientists, they know that minimum if uh, what's his name he works for who he's the assistant director uh bruce uh elward he's actually a canadian and mm-hmm. now he works for who he's like a, he's the one that led their mission to china mm-hmm. he spoke about like we won't see a vaccine for this like it like minimum like until a year like mm-hmm. it takes a long time for these vaccines to be created but if you go off what you see on social media you're like okay a vaccine could be on this on the market by next
1: month mm-hmm. And it's like that's not the case, yeah. And and people have to understand the thing with vaccines. I'm not obviously my background is not in like health sciences or anything, but from what I understand, it's vaccines it, they take a long time, not just not because uh like it's hard to get the right vaccine, but rather because there are safety and uh, safety procedures in place, you know, and how mm-hmm. you go about taste testing a uh. A vaccine obviously you have mm-hmm. a human trials and those kind of things but the procedure itself is 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 made so that it takes it takes a year it's just the procedure mm-hmm. of the testing and obviously there's also the the technical difficulty of actually developing the correct vaccine right so to, yeah if you put that together it's not something that's going to come out in one month or two months yeah, but uh, mm-hmm. if we if we can just uh, to 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 leave this aside the social media aspect of it, but so mm-hmm. so uh, about about how it it's spreading. So so far the information is that it's spreading when an infected person coughs or sneezes and lets out a spray, and that uh, droplet uh, reaches your nose, your ear i mean your eyes or mouth or and that's how and that's how you're getting the virus to to go from one person to another mm-hmm. and uh obviously in there is still scientists are still trying to figure out how how uh the virus can if the virus can get transmitted from surfaces and how Often that can happen, right? The, how long uh, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, COVID nineteen is staying on surfaces, and uh, I haven't seen really like uh, some some uh, convincing numbers on on that. I think they're still working on it, but uh, so far yeah. the 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 advices are still the same. You know, cover your mouth when you're coughing with your like the inside of your elbow, and uh, mm-hmm. wash your hands whenever whenever you can don't touch your face or that kind of thing you know yeah and uh just just some numbers uh just to talk about some numbers so so far it, there are at least uh three hundred three hundred thousand cases confirmed so far and thir- thirteen thousand deaths and uh eighteen hundred people are in serious uh conditions uh mm-hmm. And those numbers, obviously, it since it started in China, you have in China you've had at least eighty thousand confirmed cases, and here we're recording on uh, March thirty-first. So the situation may change, and it's actually it's been changing hour to hour. But the 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 good news with China is that there, I believe, yesterday they reported that they didn't have even one new case. So. Um, yeah. That it seems to be stab- stabilizing over there, and they ha- mm-hmm. they've had over seventy one thousand people who have recovered, and unfortunately three thousand three thousand two hundred fifty five people have died in China. Uh, the situation is grave in Italy. They have over fifty thousand cases right now. Over they have more deaths than China. They have four. Four thousand eight hundred and twenty-five deaths in uh, in Italy at this moment. The number of recovered isn't as as uh, elevated as in China, so that's even uh, a more unfortunate uh, piece of fact. There, they have six thousand people who have recovered, and uh, and
0: I think it was it yes, it was it yesterday that the. 627 people died in a single day alone in italy yeah i believe it was it was yesterday or the day before just in one day
1: yeah they're reporting some uh some just like horrendous numbers man it's like it's really affecting them uh severely and obviously the the third country at this moment that we're recording and i'm pretty sure it won't stay that for long is spain they have 25 uh, at this moment they have twenty five thousand three hundred seventy four cases, and uh, two thousand one hundred twenty five have recovered. A thousand and three hundred seventy eight have died. Um, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what I was talking about in Europe because you saw these outbreaks in uh, Italy, Spain, and even Germany now has over twenty thousand. France is around fourteen thousand. You know and. Let's not forget about Iran. They have 20,000 people and they have uh, 20,000 people, uh, 20,000 confirmed cases and they have uh, 1,556 people who have died, you know. But Mm. But I think the story of the hour or of the last two days has been the United States because they're... If you're looking at the rate of uh, infection in the United States, I was looking at the stats and the graphs. You see the slope, how it's going up. Is yeah, the rate is faster than Italy, and they're already
0: oh the rate of growth is way is way faster than
1: Italy. way faster, and they're already at twenty three thousand cases. So yeah. and uh, these are going these are going up every day you know like mm-hmm. i believe it was like last week to when they were at uh, 14,000 or even less than that so uh-huh. so um i think that's that's something to watch especially for people who are in north america in canada here um yeah obviously you'll talk about what the government response has been in terms of uh, traveling to the us or from the us but uh, yeah. yeah i just wanted to get that out, the, out, of, out of out of here i mean i just wanted to present this and just uh have you uh talk about the what the canadian government response has been so far
0: mm-hmm. so so in canada i think we first saw because though when the virus had initially broke out in wuhan china a lot of people within the hubei province uh, we're trying to leave China. A lot of Canadians, a lot of Canadians specifically. So they're reaching out to the government, trying to find a way to get back home and whatever. But I think it was around February 10th or 11th where Canada started bringing them back home. Uh, so they would, they send a charter plane there and the plane would come back to Canada. And they, a, a lot of them were brought into CFB Trenton, Trenton, which is a military base and they were put under the quarantine there. And then. And evaluated and then eventually released. So that's what we initially saw Canada's response to trying to get the Canadians who were within the epicenter of the coronavirus outbreak. He was trying to get them back home. But a lot of people also were, um, had been criticizing the government on the, on not imposing travel. Like it's not until recently that Canada has opposed, imposed any type of travel restrictions mm-hmm. and, I don't know, I'm not sure if you've done research on it, but I was looking at like the effectiveness, really, of travel restrictions. And then there was a health official, uh, a Canadian health official, that spoke about, it's really about judging the impact versus effectiveness when it comes to travel restrictions. So, yes, a travel restriction could slow down an outbreak by a few days, maybe maximum a week, but... Eventually, the the virus will come. Like it 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 will be here. So it de- really depends on trying to measure what impact those restrictions would have at a specific moment. So Canada's delay in actually imposing these travel restrictions, like now, it it makes much more sense to me than it did originally. Mm-hmm. After doing my research, uh, on top of that, uh, it was interesting because during my interview with. Uh, K- kajija claxton i'm just gonna say k because that's how we call her that's her nickname so in my interview with k she spoke i asked her about um did you have like uh, any thoughts about coming home and during that segment she spoke about how her brother had spoken to the canadian government and from his just feeling with in that conversation he's like he told her that it doesn't seem like the canadian government is in a rush to bring its citizens back home mm-hmm. specifically this was related to South Korea because mm-hmm. I was surprised I'm like why is all the communication of you coming back home going through your school instead of the government because she was a international for those who don't know she was an international student in South Korea and then she kind of she spoke a bit about that it's like the Canadian government wasn't in a rush to bring their citizens back home and I think that kind of ties also into just the capabilities or logistics and et cetera. Et cetera. Mm-hmm. so uh, so far, like in terms of numbers, Canada has tested 66,000, uh, Canadians across the country. Um, their first, their, our first big, let's say, travel restriction, uh, was announced on Monday, last Monday. So we, uh, the travel restriction was all non-citizens and like non-permanent residents weren't allowed into uh, into canada so we're closing we're closing effectively it's kind of like a virtual border like you can't come in uh but the craziest part about that was when um trudeau had spoke because i remember when i was listening to the press conference he spoke he said um if if you're experiencing symptoms you will not be allowed to board a plane to canada i'm like oh damn this is this is big and then but I, in my head i'm like i'm like i wonder if it's like Uh, it's like it depend. It depends on also your your citizenship or whatever. But later on, um, I forgot who was the official that clarified. He's like, regardless of citizenship, if you if you show symptoms, you will not be allowed to board the plane. And I'm like, that that is really it's it's really insane because it's like even if you're Canadian or permanent resident, you can't come back into the country whether you want it or not if you're experiencing the symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. But Also, that same night on uh, CBC, uh, the reporter clarified that. So, if so, if you have those symptoms, you will not be allowed to board the plane. But if, like, somehow, like, I think this is more, this is more related to uh, people who are within North America because it would be impossible otherwise. But if you show up to the border, they will let you in. Obviously, they'll put you under they'll have like further screening for you and whatever, but if you get yourself to the Canadian border, doesn't matter what port you come in from, they will let you in. They can't turn you back. Mm-hmm. It's just that provision was put to those who were flying into the country. Mm-hmm. And it's important to note the distinction because now Canada is actually helping Canadians uh come back to the country that are in that are stranded, right? So the the I think a flight is leaving from Morocco like within a few days. Like that's the first flight coming home, mm-hmm. picking up Canadians. And they spoke about a bit about that too. If you're trying to get on those flights as well, if you're experiencing symptoms, they will not allow you to come on those flights. Mm-hmm. So that's also that's also a big uh a big news that should uh that should be addressed. In terms of the um, also the border with the US Canada We saw like at the beginning of the week there had been talks about closing the the border, but it was um, uh, we didn't know what that would look like because especially because I in my class there's a there's a guy whose mom is a is a medical officer and she goes back and forth between Canada and the United States to work and he was worried about he was he was worried about like how would she end up working right so eventually the Canadian the Canada U.S border I believe was last night at twelve. That it officially shut down, but it only shut down to non-essential travel. So people that are, um, let's say, just tourists, etc. Like if you're not an essential traveler, if you're not, uh, like, say, truckers, medical officers, people who really need to be going back and forth between the two uh, countries, they're allowed to go. But it, if it's not essential traveling, the borders close uh, in terms of that. Uh, on top of that as well, we have the $82 billion, uh, recovery package that was announced this week, uh, 27, uh, 27, uh, billion of that is going towards helping Canadians and small businesses. And the way we kind of saw that break that broke down, especially for students is that you have a, if you're paying back student loans, you have that six month interest-free, um, more, uh, moratorium so on your student loans then for uh, families you have the child the benefit boost so there's more money in their pockets with that i don't know if it's monthly check um then you have uh, coverage for uh unemployment insurance for people who are covered and who are uncovered who are also not covered and i think the main part of that package as well it was the money that's going towards small businesses because i think small businesses will be hit the most with uh during this outbreak because they're it's not like they're living paycheck by paycheck but they're live. they're definitely uh, in terms of projecting revenue and then putting the revenue for like wages and rent and etc small businesses like they did they, they need that money constantly going in because you obviously have your projection and if you don't hit your projections you know you're about to go under so the government has implemented the wage subsidies for small businesses and also back to like families, low income families is an increase in the GXT, uh, tax credit. So that's more money also in the pockets of Canadians. But yeah, and for businesses like this, this is going to be hard because on top of that, you have to pay your employees, but you're not, ha- people aren't going into restaurants anymore and et cetera. So there, it's really about trying to help those businesses get through the virus so that they still have open doors when the virus is over because just the amount of just the hit it takes to the economy when small businesses are closing down is insane so i know trudeau has really given like a a strong emphasis on trying to uh, help small businesses and also the for the big businesses is like a 55 billion tax deferral so that's gonna help that's gonna help the market itself so that's in terms of canada's response that's basically a brief breakdown on everything we've been doing as a as a country, and believe it was this it was uh, this week earlier in the week or last week that the uh, Doug Ford also announced the state of emergency in Ontario, and we saw felt that followed by a lot of other provinces also announcing that they're stating a state of emergency because on top of that you need to be um, a state of emergency allows you to appropriate funds towards Specifically combating the virus. So, what we see in Canada is uh, there is a shortage in terms of uh, nasal swabs for the tests. So, even though we have tested sixty-six thousand Canadians, like in some provinces such as Alberta, they're testing about two thousand people a day, I believe, and they know they're not going to be able to uh, stay at that rate forever. So, there's a there's a shortage in nasal in nasal swabs, and state of emergencies allow. There to be more money attributed to the production of those medical supplies, and for in order to let's say minimize the impact on those the the scarcity of our tests. Because let's be real, we don't have like enough tests for the whole country. If you go to the hospital to get a test, like you'll be turned you'll be turned back if you don't have if you don't exhibit any symptoms, they won't test you because they're trying to keep the tests for canadians who do show symptoms and the more and the ones who are more um who are more ill so that's basically a breakdown of our response
1: in canada yeah well and uh if i had to add something it's just uh, about the the canadian who canadians who are abroad and uh, stranded and exhibiting for example symptoms or who just can't come back for any reason or any other The uh, i believe er- earlier this this uh, week Global Affairs Canada announced that they're um uh, they're opening a, a like a they're creating a loan for Canadians who are abroad uh mm-hmm. up to $5,000 to either to travel back in the country or just to to stay put where they are and just to keep them afloat so uh, if there are any Canadians out there like who aren't in Canada listening to this uh, you, you check out uh, Global Affairs Canada's website Um, and there's more information on on that, you know, like, and yeah. And about the the traveling, it's, man, it's so uncertain because, uh, I have, uh, family members, like really close family members. My mom actually is outside of the country at this moment. Mm -hmm. And you don't know the, the situation is, uh, is, is changing from, from hour to hour. You don't know if, first of all, if the country where people are, are going to be allowed they're going to allow them to leave you don't know if Mm -hmm. the canada is going to receive them you don't know if they're they're going to have uh options for flying in commercial flights or not you know you don't know if the flight's going to cancel at this like in the few hours or you know so it's it's all it's all messed up man it's uh but
0: even in travel travel i think I, I think this, this, this would be the, uh, like a more, like a scarier time. Like if travel within the, within the country starts being restricted. Cause I know the Northwest territories is uh, like, a, I don't know if they did it today, but they're about to lock down like non-essential travel mm-hmm. into the Northwest territories. Because if, uh, let's say those nations down there are hit, like that's going to be, it's going to be really tough for them mm-hmm. to, to get through an outbreak because they don't have the resources.
1: Yeah. And obviously you have uh, indigenous communities that don't have, uh, well, they, they're so, they don't, they've been having issues with water, you know, just like, a, just like a everyday essentials, you know? So if uh, like one of the, one of the things that have been happening in, in on the Canadian side is this worry about indigenous communities. And it's certainly warranted because obviously you have they have a bunch of seniors and this is not just affecting seniors it's as we we talked a, a bit before the episode it's affecting basically every age group and uh and it's even worse for people who don't have uh, the resources or the uh uh healthcare uh, like healthcare uh, resources or or abilities mm-hmm. close to their communities right you know so yeah um yeah, and uh, but about the limiting the travel within Canada, that would have if that would be possible if uh, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau invoked invoked a state of emergency, and he said yeah. so far today in his press conference he said that he he won't invoke it yet, but uh, yeah. uh, that option is still out there. So. Yeah. um we don't know, but th- the other thing too is that there, all the flights are being redirected to I think four airports, right? At least in four yeah. cities. So in I believe in Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, and uh, Calgary, and Calgary, correct? Yeah. So yeah. basically, well, yeah. The, so everybody who's coming into the country uh, by, uh, by okay. yeah, internationally or from the US or flying from from somewhere to canada has to go through those airports anyways mm-hmm. so it would be really difficult if that happened and so if they had to go to those airports and and leave and uh and they live in different provinces and have to actually uh travel to those provinces so uh yeah so i i understand why uh th- why uh, they haven't invoked a state of emergency? And the other thing too. Uh, so for a lot of people, because obviously the way uh, parliamentary, the parliamentary system in Canada works can be a bit a little bit confusing for a lot of people. But uh, you have to people have to understand that. So the parliament is not sitting at this moment. They adjourned the the sitting. They adjourned the parliament till I believe uh, April twentieth, but they're they're going to be bringing in some some MPs uh, i think uh, they're going to do it proportionally to the number of seats by each party so that each party can be fairly represented as they bring back MPs because they need to bring back MPs to to spend some money first of all because obviously the government has to the parliament has to approve the expenditures of the of the government so so far obviously uh Bill Monot was supposed to present the like in normal times he was supposed to present the budget on uh on March twentieth. And the way yeah. the budget cycle works, it's just so complicated, but they usually allow they allow the expenditures of the government uh in in, in incre- incrementally so they'll have to uh so they'll have to pass let's say they'll give like one tenth of the of uh of last year's budget so they'll use the estimates of last year's budget and allow for example one-tenth of, of that money to to keep the um the business of the government operating but but obviously I, I went to the parliament's website and uh they voted on some uh giving the government some sums of money to operate but obviously that won't be enough in this in uh, so far so all the basically pretty uh, I believe almost all the money that uh, you said uh, uh, The government is going to be spending. I think the 80 billion dollars there uh, Yeah, Yeah. so they they're going to have to be that money has to be approved first of all by by parliament before it, it uh, It's spent so that's why I believe in this week. They're going to bring back some MPs to vote on uh to vote on, on those expenditures. And uh, uh, so far, it looks like... So, the the Canadian political scene so far, in terms of partisanship or leaders of parties, so far, they've been united behind the government's response. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you had, uh, obviously, Jagmeet Singh is saying that these things need to be more permanent. So, these, uh, like, uh, insurance... Uh, Employment insurance changes or these other stuff, but he's su- as
0: he would say,
1: yeah, he's supportive, but he's supporting supportive of the response of the government in, in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching, um, uh, uh Shear, Andrew Shear's response, who's the leader of the opposition. Uh, he's supportive of the response, but with a caveat. Is but the conservative are saying, uh, the government uh deficits and the, the the deficit that they've they've added to the national debt has uh impeded the government's efforts to responding st- uh powerfully to this uh, crisis so that's what it, mm-hmm. so basically they are just criticizing the government spending in previous years uh uh Yves François Blanchet has been saying uh he's been I think he's been supportive uh, from what I've I've seen so Basically, mm-hmm. you, you don't have the the same level of uh, partisanship. Partisanship. At, yeah. at, in uh, in Canada, as you're seeing, for example, in the U.S., they're having a tough time to pass a comprehensive bill at this moment because, first of all, well, I don't know if you want to get into the U.S. and Trump's response at this moment. I do. Yeah, hundred percent. So, so let's go. Uh, let's go to that. So you, You're seeing. So, let's walk work walk through it a little bit from like from from what's happening now and then we'll go back to what was happening at the start of this crisis but what's happening now is that they're trying to to have a stimulus package for the economy and to help out families and people and at this moment but obviously obviously you have the the partisanship between Republicans and Democrats, but what you're seeing now is that you have some Republicans who are saying what Trump, the White House is proposing is just too little or won't affect uh, families who need money as uh, as it should. So Trump proposed a payroll tax, you know, but the problem is that with the payroll tax is that since it's, it is progressive, right? So the least you make, the, the least you pay. The fact is that if if it suspends the payroll, because you'll say, "I want to suspend it till election day or till the end of the year," some mm-hmm. and then, but the thing is, if you suspend it, some families are going to get like you—you'll have people who are going to get like what two hundred dollars. You know, some families will get like two hundred dollars back from from the payroll tax, and you have some some of the wealthiest people will get like seventy thousand. Seventy thousand dollars of uh, like credit, you know, there. Mm-hmm. So it's it won't affect people in like so the 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 people who need the most money, who who like working families and poor families won't get as much money because they don't pay as much in payroll taxes or they their paychecks aren't as big as those those uh more wealthier families. So you have that. You have uh, Mitt Romney who was. Uh, who was the Republican nominee in 2012? He ran against uh, Barack Obama, and obviously he didn't win. But he, he's he's in the Senate now, and he's been that one person who has been really pushing back against Trump because obviously he doesn't care. He's a millionaire. He's like 70 years old. He 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 he's at the he's been at the top. He doesn't care about losing an election, right? So so you see, uh, he's a he's more. Authentic than other Republicans Because uh, he doesn't have as much On the line than others But he's been proposing I believe earlier this week he proposed That uh, people get Like the government sends everybody In America a thousand dollars Check every adult And Mm -hmm. But so you've been Having those conversations and some uh, Senate Republicans and Some GOP members Are being Being uh, uh, proposing some some of those like some stimulus package that's quite generous generous and uh and you have them yeah cause in, yeah yeah because that um
0: for for a lot of people because you're not on social media mm-hmm. but uh it was a lot of people were comparing it. like that's what andrew yang was suggesting <laughs> not too long ago mm-hmm. about having the ubi mm-hmm. university basic income for most people and like that's basically what they're doing now i don't think it's it's not the same at all. It's not the same, um, yeah. Because we're at a time of crisis, is way different. But um, I think in terms of the way it's gonna help the Americans who need the money the most, that's like that's huge. But for a lot, a lot of people, the the response, Trump's response has been like I seen a funny Joe People is saying yeah, it's like a fire festival. Did you see the documentary for fire festival?
1: Oh yeah. I didn't see the documentary, but I saw it. like I read a few things about it.
0: Yeah, people are like the states is basically fire festival right now, but because the main, I think the main question that was asked is whether or not Trump had fired his uh, pandemic response team, and I'm like, I'm like, I have to get to the bottom of this. What actually happened? Like, I have to know what exactly happened. So, what happened is that a year ago, and actually, if you go down to YouTube, like a lot of the news outlets was reporting on it. Trump had, uh, well, obviously, it's, it's presented as, uh, let's say, has resigned. So, Tom Bossard, which was the, the, he was leading the, the National Security, um, council. He was the leader of the National Security Council. He had been, he had resigned. Obviously, it was found that he got, he was fired by Donald Trump. Tom Bossard was also leading the pandemic response team. So, as Tom Bossard was fired, two, of his associate, who were also on the pandemic response team, resi- uh, resigned. They actually resigned. They left. So those positions were never filled. So in terms of of the pandemic response team, it wasn't like specifically cut, but it was definitely disbanded because Tom bossard had been fired. And then that that happened when there was the National Security Council reorganization. That's when you saw, um, I believe it was. Uh, was it John Bolton? Bolton, yeah. That was, yeah, that was brought in and then they kind of reorganized the whole thing and the pandemic response team was never replaced. So effectively, if you want to really judge it by, we're talking about, you know, just definitions or whatever. In a way, yes, it was disbanded, Mm -hmm. but not, I don't think it was done intentionally. Now we kind of go into why, like, the the biggest thing is the testing because we've seen people complaining, like, how are these, all these, the elites are getting tests and you know the normal person cannot like it's hard for them to get a test or whatever originally the cdc which is what the dr anthony Fauci was talking about during when he was having his press conference he said the cdc wasn't really designed to handle this type of outbreak at this rate just the sheer level of test that was required and you're going to kind of also get into that because i know you were talking about this before just the amount of testing required and and supplies the cdc is not built for that so what the the government has decided to do is link the cdc with the um with the private sector so then after they could create more tests but you, you said something earlier about the the about the who wanting to give the the us like some medical supplies
1: yeah the world health organization i i believe they <clears throat> they proposed to the US to give them some testing kits and like work with the US in producing their test some testing kits but uh, the, the Trump administration said no thanks you know so and that was uh, in the earlier days of the virus at least in the United States right so as you were saying uh so even so first of all the US is what's even uh, What's alarming is the fact that their health system, healthcare system, is a bit messed up. You know, that's that has been the subject of of like the reform of the healthcare system has been the subject of conversation for every single political political figure who's trying to become president. So if you look at the the Democratic uh, their uh, process to nominate someone to face Trump in November you'll see that all of them want to propose something about the health care. Some people want Medicare for all, which would be like a single payer system, you know, so they don't have a universal system, right? If you have a mm-hmm. significant amount of people who don't have access to health care, and that is a huge problem in this case, because first of all, imagine if you have, you don't have in- health insurance, and then you, you start feeling sick, don't have money, you know, First of all, you you don't have you don't first you don't even have the incentive to go to to the doctor or whatever, and you you might spread that virus, and it's much it's much more danger, dangerous, right? So if you take that into account, and also, but if you go to the Trump response, the thing is, as the the virus was spreading in China at first, and then in South Korea, and then in Europe, or or iran whatever trump was downplaying the virus and that that was pretty like if you look back to it now it it was pretty obvious there's re- reports now that the intelligence community uh warned the, the the trump administration about the coronavirus back in january slash february about the how Crucial this virus might turn out to be how like how grave the situation might be with the virus but the the Mm -hmm. the administration chose to downplay it because so Trump he sees so he he sells himself as a businessman So he's there for the economy, you know, and he's been saying oh look at my economy Look at the the stock markets since I came into office, right? So he was always he was always uh, talking about the the virus at first in terms of its economic effects on the country right and obviously and that has been that has proven to be a the wrong choice because look if you look at the the stock market at this moment if i'm looking at the dow jones industrial average you know so so which is uh so which is a stock market index that measures the stock performance of the Thirty of thirty large companies uh, in the United States. If you look at what where it was over a month ago, it was over. It was at uh, on February twenty first. It was at twenty eight thousand nine hundred ninety two points. And uh, as it closed on uh, March twentieth, it's it's down almost ten thousand points. So it's down to nineteen thousand one hundred fifty two points. So it's it's the stock market is just it's like it's responding quite negatively to the crisis, and even this all the measures that have been introduced by the the Trump administration, they've not appeased the the stock market. There was only once that Trump did a press conference in. The, he did one press conference, and then the stock market went up like a few thousand, thousand points. I I don't know how many again, but but that was the only time that happened but if you look at so as as I was saying you, the initial response by the the Trump administration was to downplay the the situation he said so he said that uh, the virus will disappear like a miracle he said that once uh, around april once heat uh, like once the heat and sun is comes back you'll just see it disappear he claimed that they'll have a vaccine in a few months but uh the the the, the, yeah even
0: that people yeah you can see anthony Fauci he's just he's just shaking his head yeah please don't say
1: that yeah and he said Fauci said that it won't be available for at least a year or more as i was saying um uh trump stated that uh well, the Obama administration, the way they set, set up the like the CDC and their red tape and whatever, whatever had had been uh, impeding the coronavirus testing, and that wasn't that wasn't true, right? As you've went through it, you you talked about what happened in the White House and and the pandemic response team. Right? Um, so uh, you also had well, he also talked about. Uh, Italy he said that numbers in Italy were getting much better when in fact Italy has been getting much worse, right? And mm-hmm. also he he said that he doesn't want to to uh to land a cruise ship in California just because he he doesn't want the numbers to go up. So he won't said <laughs> this was his quote. Uh I like the numbers. I would I would rather have the numbers stay where they are. But if they want to take them off, I'll take them off. They'll take them off. But if that happens, all of a sudden, your 440 cases is going, obviously, much higher. Probably 11 deaths will be a higher number. That's what he was saying about the the, uh, Grand Princess cruise, right? So, Mm -hmm. and then you had all of these... uh, Mistakes. So one of one of the biggest, uh, not biggest, but he, one of those blatant, uh, blatant uh, incompetence of the the administration was when he had this address, uh, of, uh, over office address to the nation, that was meant to reassure the nation and just make sure that the stock market is 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 uh is reassured, right. So he, I don't know how long it was, but let's say it was like fifteen minutes or whatever. And then he was uh, he was reading from from the teleprompter, and he misread a bunch of things, and he he wanted to add lip a bunch of things, which so the the effect of that was he misstated his own administration's policies. So one of those things was uh he said that he's banning uh, all esse- all travel from Europe except the UK and mm-hmm. he said that includes cargo and but it didn't include cargo so so yeah. stocks plunged after he de- delivered the, that speech right because of trade mm-hmm. and the fact that the world is you know the world is globalized and what if the the United States chooses to to stop all trade from from europe then obviously companies will will have a a harder time so uh, if you take all that together and if you look at what's happening now right the fact that the the rate of infection is higher in in the u.s at this moment than in italy obviously people are pointing out and saying okay this administration this is the worst thing that people could have imagined because now it takes competence. It takes uh, expertise to resolve this crisis or to address it. But the fact, the problem is, Trump is not an expert, and most politicians aren't. So that's not a knock of him, you know. But the fact is, the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is, politicians have to understand their limitations and let officials handle it, you know, and put mm-hmm. officials in front of the TV, read your your speech, your prepared speech. Answer the questions just like Trudeau is doing. They read your speech. Answer think... the questions. Evade some questions, and then let the the officials speak. You know. Yeah,
0: and I think that's ultimately when you're gonna look back at his response. Like this is how like I would ultimately car it. As in, first, um, I was I still find a joke funny where people are start calling it the the United States is fire festival mm-hmm. because in a sense what happened at Fire Festival was just a lack of resources for. The number of people there was. So it was just, a, it did, the, 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 supply did not meet the demand. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, when you, if, when you, when you break it down in terms of the CDC cap- capabilities of, uh, like the producing these tests, like on top of having, there was a, I believe there was a manufacturing problem that had happened too mm-hmm. while they're trying to develop the COVID 19 test. On top of that, also, as Anthony Fauci said, there is, the CDC wasn't designed to, um, for this type of outbreak, just mm. a large scale of it. And then the third thing also is the FDA red tape. So let's say the CDC itself is, uh, it's obviously they have their own capabilities of, of producing tests, but private companies also have their capabilities. And a, a lot of what private companies said is that we could, like, they could have developed these tests and released these tests way earlier, but the FDA regulations are so tight knit that it just takes so much, so much time. So that was already time lost and that you could, I I think it's um, in terms of laying it at the feet of somebody, I guess the buck stops with Donald Trump, but the FDA is also, it's so an agency and he can push them to loosen up those restrictions. And and recently we just saw that he loosened the restrictions on these types of uh, treatment for the COVID-19. So we know it's possible. So, trump should have i believe should have loosened the restrictions uh from the f d a for the covid nineteen test way earlier than he did and then they should have merged the c d c and the private sector also earlier but i guess they just figured that out uh fourthly in terms of the of uh the pandemic response team i think it's it's ultimately it's gonna be it's 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 ultimately on him because you can say he didn't directly cut the pandemic response team. But he did fire Tom Bossert, who was leading the pandemic response team, and his two associate that just ended up resigning and leaving and he never replaced those positions. So him not replacing those positions ultimate, ultimately mean he disbanded the team and and now you have a, unfortunately for him, now you have a pandemic and you don't have a pandemic response team. And now that's sifted to Mike Pence, et cetera. But you had you had like officials there that were specifically there for that and now you don't have those anymore so i think that's gonna that's also that's also on him and uh initially i don't think you i don't know if you remember but when he had uh banned travel in uh in europe people were like why and and, and he said not the uk people were were like why is the uk not included in this like, the UK also has, um, uh, high numbers of coronavirus cases. And to me, the UK, I don't know. It's, it's confusing me. I don't understand what's going on there in terms of their response. It's not until recently that they shut down, uh, bars and schools, but like, even to a, to a point way, way after the NBA season has stopped, they still wanted to, uh, they were still going to have a Premier league season.
1: So. I'm not sure what Boris Johnson is doing there. Yeah. And um Yeah, and uh, just to add on the UK, um Boris Johnson obviously he had a press conference that raised a lot of eyebrows because he he went and said, "Well, I'm going to be straight with you uh, with everybody here, uh just know that we're going to lose a bunch of people with this virus, you know." And uh, <laughs> Well, what the but, heck is that? Man? You know, uh, and I don't want <laughs> to misquote that? him, but the, the impression was that uh Okay, it's going to be rough, but uh, life is not stopping, you know. And at that time, they didn't—they weren't stopping. Uh, they—they they weren't closing schools. They were, They're—they're—they weren't doing what other countries were doing. And especially for them, they're in Europe, and you know, like, mm-hmm. it, like, and obviously, like, the the they, there's the whole Brexit thing. But man, travel traveling in Europe is much easier. You know, it's mm-hmm. much easier than in many other parts of the world. So so it was kind of just like breathtaking to, 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 to see that kind of response from uh, Boris Johnson. And But now I, I read that, uh, yeah, they've closed, closed their schools and I'm not uh, too aware of what they're doing there. But I, I, I saw something last night about the, their economic uh, stimulus package. They're going to be paying f- families up to, I believe, uh, 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 2,500 pounds, uh, I believe, per month for families, uh, up to, that would be Mm -hmm. like up up to 85% of people's salaries, I believe, all the way up to 2,500 pounds per month at I think I might have it wrong, but I believe uh, it was something like that. So uh, I I think now they're kind of they're responding strongly because after Trump, basically after Trump said that they could still travel to the U.S., they had an outbreak there. And then Trump was forced to also uh, shut down flights from like uh, flights from uh, the U.K. as well.
0: Yeah. Um. I was. I, I guess you want to get into the NBA to finish off. Yeah. Yeah. What was your original take on the on the Rudy? Well, I guess when did you find out that um, about the Rudy Gobert situation? What was your your first take on that
1: or your impressions? Yeah, I don't recall when I found out about it. I found out, found out about it pretty like pretty soon, right? Uh, perhaps in the same night. Um. But because uh, I can't remember when, because man, these days I've been, as I was saying, like it, it feels like it's the days don't start, don't end, you know, because because uh, of staying at home, but I, and I also have some school stuff to do in the meantime, too. But you're staying home, man, I feel you, yeah. But um, uh, but the NBA thing was the when the Rudy Gobert thing happened, I was honestly, I was just waiting to see because. The one news that i remember that uh, officials uh, were telling the golden state warriors not to have games not to play mm-hmm. games yeah. and but the warriors were saying we're still going to have games and then they decided yeah. people decided not to have fans for the games it was, so that was the last night to have fans in the in the in the arenas and then Rudy Gobert uh Tested positive, so that basically shut down the NBA. Which was looking looking back on it now, uh, with like if with the benefits of, of hindsight, that was that was extremely important for the United States because yeah, man. Because after that, when the NBA shut down, that's when everybody started taking it seriously. All the leagues mm-hmm. started canceling canceling their games and. Uh, because imagine, just imagine in New York if they had games uh, with the outbreak they have there, man, that For would real, that, that would have insane. been insane. And you know how like people know how close people are to each other in the arena, right? And obviously mm-hmm. you have people who are working there. You know, it's it was just just been like. Would have just been nuts, you know. Even the fact that they closed it as soon as soon as they did, and the NBA was one of the 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 first, uh, if I'll call it, an institutional, not even just like a company or whatever, a league to close down all abroad. Mm-hmm. Yet, yet you have those cases. You have you still have cases. You know, you have three players on the Brooklyn Nets. You have. Uh, Members of two Lakers, players, two Lakers players. You have people in uh, on on the Sixers as well. Uh, members. Uh, I don't know if they're players or just members of the organization in on them, on the Devred Nuggets as well. You know, the fact that they closed it as early as they did yet, you still have uh, cases, you know, and they haven't t- tested, tested everyone. Right. They, they did not test the Warriors because of uh, the fact that they don't have enough tests. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, man. But the, uh, bravo to the NBA, man, because that was, that was extremely clutch.
0: Yeah, I feel, I think also, like right after that, um, thing, the NCAA shot, and people were already criticizing the NCAA because they were too slow. And in terms of, uh, like, even some tournaments, I already started the Pac 12, I already started, they played, I think, four games, and they had fans. They had a lot of fans at the T-Mobile arena. Mm-hmm. People were criticizing the NB, the NCAA because they were too slow. And I think everybody already knows the NCAA. They're just, fam, they're just a money-making business. And then I think this would, this would have been a perfect opportunity for them to show that they do care about the student athletes. But obviously by the time they had canceled it, other sports had already canceled. So it just seemed as if like, okay, no, they're just doing it because everybody else is doing it. Mm-hmm. They're still like greedy and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, uh, cause after the NBA canceled, so the Formula One season, I don't know, you, I don't know if you know, like, I love Formula One. I love, I love racing. So the season was literally, it had been, it was about to start. It was only one, it was Friday. I really wanted to season, like, they were in Australia. <laughs> yeah. I was there, and that's where Tom Hanks was also, when I mean, oh. he announced that he had the fire. That's it. So that Tom Max news comes out. I'm like, yo, man, yo, don't cancel the season. Man. Just, just do the first race. I'm like, yo, can you cancel the season, but just do the first race, man. Do the first race. And Friday, and yeah, it was Friday. And Saturday is the qualifying. So qualifying is where you race, you get your best lap time. And then after, based on that lap time, that's where you, you, your, your position is on the grid for the Sunday race. Mm-hmm. So it was Friday. I'm like, yo, less than 24 hours, there is about the race above the, the season's about to begin and then boom, uh, a driver for McLaren, uh, Lando Norris, he tests positive. i no, no, just like, yo, it's <laughs> game. over. Bro. It's game. over. Yeah. We're finished. Man. We're finished, man.
1: I swear this just, uh, and just a personal story from my end here too. So, um, this was last weekend, right? So I, uh, uh, like people were still like were still going out and it wasn't like it wasn't the the stay home thing wasn't already like you know it wasn't a thing yet. But so I remember I was at I believe I I had work uh, that evening and then I came back home uh, and then so I came back home I was like okay this is this is moving fast you know you know what I need to do I need to go to the library mm-hmm. grab a bunch of books because the 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 university changed their policies around the the library the university of ottawa so they're allowing people to get a bunch of books it's amazing so i made a list i had like 10 books a list Mm. of like 10 books some for my for my courses just for my assignments but most of them just for you know just to keep me occupied and then i was like tomorrow morning I'm gonna wake up, go to the library, grab my books, and then I'm good for. It. <laughs> I'm set for for the virus, you know. And then <laughs> at eight p.m. on on the same day, the like the library is closed indefinitely. <laughs> Free, <up>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to cry.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, but um, but yeah, it's funny because when it came to the NBA, like I really, I kind of accept. Uh even NCAA, I kind of, I'm like, because when they had floated the idea of playing without fans, I was like, it was hard to accept, but I accepted. It. I'm like, all right, fine, man, I can accept that. I can accept that we will not have fans. I can accept that, you know? <laughs> and after the cast of the whole season, I'm like, wow. <laughs> I was like, fam. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's really crazy. But I think, like, it, I think the scariest part is that I think we don't even fully like the officials don't even fully understand the virus yet. Like there's still so much to learn. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's all these precautions like have to be taken. And I don't even know. I don't even know when like anybody, like I remember I was watching, um, uh, uh, I think it was on NBC or whatever. A news official was talking about how honestly, anybody who tells you like this could be over by this so and so month. I would like to look into their crystal ball because <laughs> ultimately nobody, like nobody knows when this is going to end. Mm-hmm. And we don't know if we could be dealing with just the gridlock we have right now until mm-hmm. August or it could be done next month. Like we have no idea. And I think ultimately, man, yo, you got to start binging stuff. I've been binging uh, some podcasts. Mm-hmm. I've been watching YouTube videos. I've been playing, uh, 2k actually not 2k i've been playing formula one a lot mm-hmm. like i you just have to find find your thing i think this is this is the perfect moment like if you have something you're like you i don't have time for you have time right now you have so much
1: time time is not an issue so you, everybody has to find something to do i know i know yeah it's it's the perfect time to uh, to watch that beyond culture episode you didn't get time to 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 listen to you know yeah, exactly so yeah just to,
0: to plug us out there, yeah, exactly. So uh, also, uh, net, let's do let do uh, Netflix suggestions to end the show. Netflix. So mm-hmm. Netflix suggestions. So I'm gonna look at my list right now. Jeez. At what I believe man should uh, watch on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be honest. I think I think I'm um, I'm top three in terms of um, when it comes to Like shows and movies, like I'm top three in terms of uh, critics. Like I know, like if I give you a show, you will watch it and you will be amazed. So, on my list that I believe people should watch first, if you love history, and you know love history and uh, just action, uh, uh, not too much violence, I would say watch uh, Outlander. It's a beautiful show about. A woman that's brought like way back in time through a portal, and she's just, she's living in colonial America. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's really amazing the way they did the show. It's like, it's so, it's the way they, they, they set it up. It's amazing. They have like six seasons. You could binge that on, uh, Netflix. That's on there. Um, I would say also watch, um, Ozark is coming back. Oh. So I'm about to watch that. Oh, for real? That's a, yeah, yeah, it's coming oh. back. It's coming back. Also, still in the history realm because I love history, fam. I'm telling you, watch Turn Washington Spies. I'm telling you guys, Turn Washington Spies is about the it's about the spies during the American Civil War. So, like, it's not sorry, not the American Civil War. Uh, during the um, the revolu the the revolution, the American Revolution. So you have spies on. You have they're called the the Washington Spies. Like it's. It's a so George uh, Washington had his spies like and fam. It's just amazing. Please watch it. Please watch it. Basically, the description is after um he the after uh, a bar owner like is just like defending a brawl or whatever with a British captain. He becomes a murder suspect and later on a friend tries to recruit him as a rebel spy. So it's an amazing show if you love history. So those are my those are my three. I'd say watch those are the yeah top three watch all right what are yours
1: well you caught me off guard i didn't i wasn't prepared for this but uh <clears throat> but since this is beyond culture pretty bridging the gap between culture and politics you know what i'll do instead of netflix shows i'm going to recommend people some books i know it's hard to uh-huh. <laughs> i know it,
0: it, <laughs> that's good that's good yeah
1: it's hard to get some get out and get some books or, at the library or whatever but uh, if you have uh Amazon uh, Audiobooks or Kindle whatever you use. I uh, I use a, uh I use a an app called Ascri- Scribed, so it's uh, S C R I B D. You pay like it's nine dollars per month. So it's pretty pretty inexpensive, right? and uh, mm-hmm. you have access to a whole lot of books and mo- I mostly use it for audiobooks because I I, I can't read uh, off screens like I, it just, I mm-hmm. really can't read books on, on screens. I, like, I prefer physical books. So, but, uh, but I have, uh, I have three books I would recommend to people here that I've, uh, like that I've read in the past like few weeks. Uh, there's one called, uh, Guns, Germs and Steel with, uh by jared diamond it's so it's uh it's called guns germs and Steel: the fates of human societies so it's like a it's i wouldn't say it's like a, it's like a history and anthropology book so it, it goes back to societies and like the you the history of human of humanity to to find out why some societies do better than others you know and why some yeah. why europeans were basically were were able to conquer the world as they did, but it's really nice because it's like it's a novel hypothesis it's not one of those like uh, euro eurocentric hypothesis where you have people who will say europeans are just more intelligent or whatever but he he mm-hmm. he talks about uh how how germs and and i guess this is <laughs> this is uh <laughs> i guess it's uh, a bit relatable now it's because fitting. of the it's fitting, exactly. So he it ter- he it talks about how uh, germs, uh, w- w- shape the, just, uh, germs shape the just germs shape the the history of humanity. How steel, how gun, how access to guns, and just the things you wouldn't honestly that I didn't think of before. And uh, it's really it's really really uh, uh, eye opening. The other one that. Uh, that i i read it's from uh, so from people who are on the left uh, s- uh, side of the spec the political spectrum might like might find it uh, might know uh, ezra klein he's the editor-in-chief at vox and uh, uh so he he wrote a book called uh, why we're polarized it's about the american uh, political system and why why it's polarized at this moment it's really Man, it's really instructive because it's not one of those partisan books where you just blame one side and, you know, it's he, instead mm-hmm. of focusing on figures such as Trump, Obama, or whatever, he goes into the institutions and how the American institutions are set up and what you can look at on the structural level to understand politics and uh, American politics, you know. So if you're more into yeah. that, there is an audio book Available for all of these, uh, I I believe. And the next one is uh, just to mix it up uh, for uh, just for people on the on the right side of the spectrum here, you know, because it's beyond culture. You know, we do it. We do it all. I read uh, the I I read the right side of history by uh, uh, the right side of history, how reason and moral purpose Mm. uh, made the West great by Ben Shapiro he mm-hmm. so for, you're about to get canceled n- not really but just i don't agree with a lot of his conclusions or even uh the arguments he makes like obviously mm-hmm. but uh like i i guess for people who don't know much of uh uh the history of uh, political thought or just philosophy in general he goes through a bunch of a bunch of thinkers a lot of he goes through like in greece uh, uh like with plato and a lot of those people and all the way to now he goes to his thinkers of the 20th century and obviously like i'm a student of philosophy so i've been like this is what i do so i know m- most of these thinkers in depth so i i can mm-hmm. like i don't agree with a lot of the, the, his descriptions but i think for people who don't know much about like political th- uh thought or his- the history of uh thought it's a good like it's a good introduction and you can uh go and research it a little bit more afterwards you know so so for yeah that's those are my three my three recommendations there but uh next time i'll have something like more netflix yeah, but
0: i literally just thought about that like on this i was just on my phone i'm like oh why don't we just do this oh and i forgot to give one more of my suggestions I would say, I'd put this in the top three and take Ozarks, o, uh, Ozarks out mm-hmm. because I was like, I love videography and obviously I love history. Mm-hmm. And I've always been, since a kid, I was, since I was a kid, I was always fascinated by war and just yeah, the history of war. So mm-hmm. my last suggestion is, um, five, uh, five, um, five came back. So basically that is, uh, the description is as World War Two begins, five of Hollywood's top directors leave. Sec- Leave success and homeless behind to join the armed forces and make films for the war effort. So Mm -hmm. I think that was one of the most eye opening, eye opening, probably Netflix uh, documentary series that I've ever watched simply because, as you know, I love, I love videography and I love the idea of being able to capture something that can, that is more than just a video Mm -hmm. and it kind of gives people Kind of, it just makes you feel something. So I don't think anything has like there's there's no piece of video that has made people felt some type of way and understand just history like war films. Mm-hmm. And I've never back then I've never asked myself like how did he get these footage? Who's out here and on the front lines uh, filming war? Like what's going on? And I think this documentary really gives you an insight on like these directors that actually go to the ground and film these war zones so it's it's very it's eye-opening
1: it's yeah eye-opening. and uh, honestly since you talked about war and i'll, I'll have to <laughs> to uh it, add here uh one more suggestion it's a book suggestion but this was one I, I was thinking of recommending you but i might as well just uh recommend it to everyone else out there it's a it's a book about the iraq war but it, it has a kind mm-hmm. of a interesting twist to it because it's not like one person who's talking about their perspective on the world on the war basically and uh, there are many books like that but this one i, f- I found it really interesting it's uh, it's called uh what was asked of what was asked of us by trish wood mm-hmm. it's a, a oral history of the iraq war but the soldiers who fought it so it's she, she's a canadian well, I believe she was born in Canada, but she's a Canadian journalist and she's, she works a lot on, on the, the U.S. wars. And she did, basically, she was just interviewing U.S. soldiers on, on the Iraq war and just writing their experiences. So it was like, it was fresh because it was kind of like you get the information straight from the people who fought it, right? And obviously, it's one-sided because she... She in, she only interviewed U.S. soldiers, so you don't have the perspective of of the Iraqis on the war, right? But yeah, but I found it really interesting because you you see, like you see, it really humanizes soldiers, and it, you know, and you see that a lot of them were opposed to the war. You, you mm-hmm. had some of them who were, uh, you know, some some of them who, who you can say that these people deserve to perhaps deserve to go to jail you know and you you have all th- that entire range you know so it, it's mm-hmm. uh it's something i would recommend for people who are interested in this kind of stuff but i i thought it was since it's apropos yeah. to what you're saying and i think mm-hmm. since we we talk about uh me and you talk about uh the like the u.s foreign policy and wars and this kind of things i thought like you would really you would enjoy it but uh like, when I see you, I'll give you the, I have the physical book, so I can just give it to you. Oh, you're going to, Jeez, thank you. Yes. Yeah. I ain't trying to buy it. Yeah, yeah. But there's an audio book for people out there who uh, can get it uh, at this moment.
0: Well, we've been talking for almost a minute and, I mean, I said minute, <laughs> uh, an hour and I think we're about to hit. Uh, an hour and a half almost, yeah. Yeah, almost an hour and a half. Uh, buti voti was like well sorry gilbert i apologize <laughs> gilbert was like yo um this episode better be more than an hour or i'm not having it so here you go an episode that's more than an hour um i think we we pretty much touched on a lot and the thing is the situation is so fluid so by next week this could all be irrelevant <laughs> exactly <laughs> no, so <I'm> joking <laughs> but,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah no but it's true what you're saying though like it, things are moving so fast so you know but uh yeah we'll try to we'll, we'll try to get this out as, as quick as we can as soon as we can so that uh, mm-hmm. it can inform people while it's still relevant yeah all right
0: well this was beyond culture goodbye and goodnight. good night good night